0: We recently began a new series on heaven. Today, that series continues with the question, What will our resurrected bodies be like? Join us today to find out on this edition of the Bellator Christi Podcast.
1: Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas.
0: resurrection chapter. It's a very important chapter. We see that uh, in verses 1 through, particularly verses 3 through 8, Paul provides one of the oldest passages we have in Scripture. There are actually, if you look throughout the New Testament, there are traditions, creeds, hymns, that actually predate the New Testament itself to within 3 to 5 years of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth Jesus Christ in verses 3 through 8 you see this tradition that Paul receives 35 AD that which is already in existence which dates back to the time of Christ and this basically talks about the essentials of Christ's resurrection and we also look in verses uh, 12 through 19, we see the essential nature of the resurrection uh, to our faith. In other words, Paul establishes the historicity of Jesus' resurrection that he shows the importance that this resurrection has to our faith in verses 12 through 19. We see the guarantee of our resurrection bodies from Jesus' own resurrection body in verses 20 through 28. Uh, We see the support of the resurrection from the Christian experience in verses 29 through 34. But then finally, in verse uh, 35 through 49, Paul deals with the topic of the resurrected body itself. What will our resurrected bodies be like? Now remember last week. Uh, in our first message on heaven, we noted that there is now a present spiritual state of existence to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And we go and we reside with the Lord until the return of Christ. And when Christ comes, we see this in First Thessalonians, that uh, with the trump of the angels sound, or the, the, the trump of God will sound, and the dead of Christ will rise first To meet him in the air, then those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. This is where we get the term rapture, which means caught up. It's referencing that first resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous that's to take place. And after that time, we usher in this this new phase in history where God creates this new heaven and this new earth where we will once again have not only a spirit, uh, the, the purified spirit, but we'll also have a purified body, a glorified body, a resurrected body. Just as Jesus was risen from the dead, so shall you be risen from the dead. Which is to say that... All the individuals that you've ever buried in your life, those loved ones that you've had, that you've put in the casket and put in the ground, that you put, uh, what, six feet below, all of those individuals will one day, their bodies will be rejuvenated. Their bodies will rise from the dead, which is to say that all those caskets, you know, we've paid thousands of dollars for these caskets, they're going to kick that thing wide open, and they're going to be risen from the dead, just as Jesus was risen from the dead, and we mentioned this this past Wednesday night in Bible study. I think Philip and some others mentioned the fact uh, brought up the point that when we are risen from the dead, we're going to join a countless group of other individuals. Daniel who was promised to re- be ra- risen from the dead. The end of the capstone to the book of Revelation, um, excuse me, the book of Daniel, the last verse God says to Daniel, you'll be risen from the dead. Just as Daniel is risen from the dead, think about this, all the saints of bygone years, Mary, Martha, the twelve disciples, Moses, people we read about in the scriptures, all those individuals, including us, will be risen from the dead at that one point in time. But what type of body will will we have? What is this resurrection body going to be like? That's the question we're going to pose today. What is this resurrection body going to be like? We're not talking about that spiritual body we have in heaven that is it is now, but this risen body that we see at the end of time when Christ returns. So with that in mind, we're going to ask everyone to please stand as we pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. We're going to be in, uh, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter in verses 35 through 49. Let me also say, note uh, as we go through this, verses 50 through the end of it, Paul gives an eloquent point that we're going to come back to at the end of this message. When we understand these truths, that not only to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but also when we understand the fact that we will receive this risen body, Paul says, death, where is your sting? (laughs) Where is the victory of death over the Christian? And the answer is, it has none. (laughs) It has none whatsoever. Verse 35, but someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? O foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body which shall be but mere grain, but perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh." But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who were made of dust." And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man that is, of course, Christ Jesus. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, your blessings to be upon this message today. We just ask that you would simply use me as your vessel, allowing me to speak the things that need to be spoken and hold back any things that don't, don't need to be spoken. And then through these things, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears, that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it and to appreciate and look forward to the day when we have this glorified body that you've promised us. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. Our bodies are, are, are just amazing specimens. And the human body is a beautiful thing, and it's just absolutely amazing the design that God has put into the human body. And even now, as we, as we look at the human body, we study the human body, I think we'll all agree that we don't know everything about the human body. Uh, but it, and such is the case with this little girl. This little girl came to her mother one day, and she says, Mommy, my tummy hurts. My tummy hurts really bad. And the mother says, well, honey, the reason your tummy hurts is that you haven't eaten anything all day. You need to put something in your stomach. Your stomach is empty. You need to put something in your stomach, and then your stomach will feel better. Well, later that afternoon, uh, the pastor of the church came and had supper with the family. And uh, the mother said to the pastor, says, Pastor, you don't look like you feel very well today. And he says, well, I don't. He says, my head hurts. I've had a headache all day. To which the little girl, without missing a beat, says, Pastor, I know the problem. Your mommy says you don't have anything in your head and you need to put something in it and then you'll feel better. (laughs) Her mother turned all kinds of shades of red afterwards. (laughs) Well, as we see this, we we understand that there are a lot of mysteries about the human body, but the thing that we find in Scripture is that even as amazing as this human body that we possess now may be, it pales in comparison to the glorified body that we'll have when Christ returns. And it's absolutely amazing as we take a look at Paul's description of this body. It just absolutely is completely upside down from what anything we would expect or imagine to find in this world today. We're going to look at two basic points. We're going to look at Paul's description of this resurrected body and asking the question, what will our resurrected bodies be like? And Paul gives the answer in two different ways. First of all, he, look, he provides three analogies comparing what this risen body will be like. And then he goes through five attributes, describing five attributes of this resurrected body. So first we're going to look at the analogies that he provides, and then we're going to look at the attributes that he provides of this resurrected body. The first analogy we find in this, in verses 35 through 38, is that the resurrection body is analogous to the survival of a harvested seed. Paul gives the description of a planter. Now, wheat was a staple, was a staple in ancient times. You know, wheat bread was, was one of the, the, the most important uh, things, one of the important foods that they had. I mean, they had other uh, foods that went along with it, but the stapled food was wheat, of course. And so, everyone knew the way you planted wheat. It's the same way you plant anything else. You take this seed and you put it in the ground and you cover the ground. Now, now, what happens in this process is that it appears as if this seed dies, but you give it some time, and before long, you begin seeing a sprout, and this 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 develops into a plant uh, a, a, very, a, a very important plant, and this this plant becomes is um, is harvested and becomes bread. You think about this. Isn't it amazing? And Amanda Lanier, she's an expert on this, and she probably needs to come up here and describe this for us. But it's amazing when we think about plant and vegetation, we think about things like this, about how you can take a little seed and put it in the ground and give it time, and before too long, it becomes a mighty oak tree. In fact, my mind went back thinking of my grandma Chilton. Uh, they had to take down her house, but it's an empty lot now. But I remember years ago, she planted, I think they call them silver maples, if I'm not mistaken. These, uh, these A line of these silver maples. And they call them silver maples because the leaves uh, has, the, has the silvery tint to it, it seems like. But you can go today and see where she planted this, this line of trees, which all started as a little bitty seed, Put in the earth, and before too long, this little seed became this enormous tree. There's another tree close to our property. I call it a tornado tree due to a story involved with it. But this is a massive white oak tree. Quite honestly, this, this tree is, uh, is just enormous. It's absolutely enormous. But it all started as a little seed. The point Paul is giving in this is just as you take this seed, which is a small little insignificant thing, and you put it in the ground it becomes something even greater when it comes out of the ground. And Paul is saying that our bodies are placed in the ground, but when they come back out, they're going to be something far greater than anyone could ever think or imagine. I also kind of like this illustration as well. Think about the butterfly. This little bitty caterpillar lives its life. It squirms along eating, you know, eating leaves and just squirms around these branches, squirms around the earth. Before too long, it, it, it comes in this cocoon. It seems as if it's dead. But before long, that little caterpillar emerges from that cocoon and becomes a beautiful butterfly. With all new capabilities, he doesn't have to wither around on those little branches or on those little leaves any longer. He can fly like the birds of the heavens. Beloved, the same, in the same manner, Paul is saying, our resurrected body, is, is, our bodies are planted first, a natural body. They die, but when they are risen, they're going to be just as magnificent as that mighty oak tree that, that, uh, that harvested wheat or even the magnificent, beautiful butterfly. That's the way our risen bodies are going to be. It's absolutely unfathomable to our human minds at this point in time. So understand as we experience death, we have a new physical reality awaiting us when Christ returns that's going to be unlike anything we can ever imagine. He also gives them another analogy. He says the resurrected body is analogous to the superiority of the human species in verse 39. He talks about in verse 39, the glory of different types of flesh, different types of, of bodies, physically. And, and while I have a great appreciation for the animal kingdom, there are many beautiful creatures out there. In fact, uh, when we talk about uh, animals and things of this nature, we'll go in more detail about this uh, when we get to that part. But you take a look, I, one of my favorite animals is the tiger. I love the tiger. I love how beautiful these cats are. These are huge cats. We went to see one of the, the uh, circuses, final circuses that, are, that were in Greensboro, and they had these uh, huge, enormous tigers. And uh, they were, man, when they roared, oh my goodness, it would just send a chill in your bones, in my bones, because of the power of these animals. These were enormous creatures. But as magnificent as they are, they differ in their magnificence from, from birds. But the capstone of creation is human beings amen because the bible says that human beings are made in the imagio day meaning that we have the image of god we have the image of god beloved i hope that if you were ever faced in a situation where you had to save a, a baby an infant child or an animal that you would save the infant child amen Because human beings hold the highest standard. Why is that? Because we have that divine spark. We have the image of God. We have that spiritual relationship with God that no other animal can. I mean, be honest. You go out in the jungle, you go out in the wilderness, do you see deer, having temples to God? Or do you see monkeys uh, having church services on any given Sunday? Of course not, because they're living by their instincts. Human beings have the freedom of the will. Human beings have the Spirit of God. They have uh, that spiritual nature where they can choose right versus wrong. That human nature where they can commune with God and God can, in fact, commune with them. So what he's basically saying is, that as you find a difference in the animals from the human beings, so much greater is our glorified body going to be to the body we have now. It's almost like comparing a worm to a tiger. (laughs) The magnificence of that tiger is far greater than the magnificence of that little crawly, creepy crawly worm. So much more, our glorified body is going to be far more magnificent than the body we have now. In verses 40 through 41, he gives the third analogy. Saying that the resurrected body is analogous to the splendor of the heavenly star. He uses this word in Greek called doxa, which means splendor or magnificence, the magnificence of a thing. Now He also describes the fact that there are many different splendors. When you look at splendor, it's talking about the, the luminosity of something, the, the amount of, the amount of uh, light that's produced by these different things. And you know, it's an absolutely amazing thing. The, mu- the moon is beautiful, but the sun is also beautiful. And all these different stars in the heavens are beautiful, but they all differ in the glory that they have. For instance, coming up January 31st, There is a celestial event. If you get a chance to see this, you need to see it because it only happens, I think, about every 130, uh, 130, 150 years. We're going to have what they call a super blue blood moon, which is to say that we're going to have a super moon. It's going to be huge in the sky. But it's also going to be blue in the fact, not that it's literally blue, but it's the second full moon of the month, but it's also going to be a blood moon, which means that it's going to be a lunar eclipse. And you can see this early in the morning. This is when the earth's shadow comes between the sun and the moon, and the moon has this red hue to it. What you're seeing is the, moon, the earth moving in the, between the light of the sun and the moon, and it looks red. That's why they call it a blood moon. But here's the thing. You can go out and you can see that lunar eclipse without anything. You can see it with the naked eye. But now, last year, if you recall, we had a solar eclipse. Could you do that with a naked eye? Not if you value your eyesight. (laughs) Amen? Not if you value your eyesight. Can you just stand and look up at the sun and say, Oh, this sun looks beautiful? Not if you value your eyesight, because the glory and splendor of the sun is so magnificent, is so powerful, that those ultraviolet rays are going to come to your eyes and they're going to burn a hole in your retina if you stare at the light of the sun. Here's the point that Paul is making. Just as different as the glory from the moon is to the sun, the sun being more than that magnificent, the different stars in the heavens being more magnificent, so shall your resurrected body be in its splendor compared to the human body that you have now. It's just that different. But we not only see these analogies are given, Paul goes in a little more detail about the risen body. What type of attributes will this resurrected body have? And this is where it gets really interesting. We first of all see that it has the imperishable attribute in verses 42 and verse 45. He uses a word saying that they're sown in corruption... And the word corruption is the word fathora, which means literally to rot. That's what fathora means. That's what corruption means. And think about this. From the very first moment you are born, you begin the process of dying. You think about that? Just think about that. We, even though we grow and we grow into adults, our bodies are decaying all the while. We're, the, the, from the moment you're born, you start dying. And that's true of all of us. Our bodies are sown in corruption, meaning that we're all, in, unless Christ returns, each and every single one of us, each and every person hearing the sound of my voice is eventually going to one day die. It's something you can't escape. Amen? Unless Christ comes first, each and every one of us, we're going to have our, to have our own funerals. I know that's depressing to think about, but it's true. Because each and every one of us, as we are born in this world, we begin the process of dying. But you see, Paul says our bodies are sown in corruption, meaning that they rot. However, the resurrected body is what's called a or uh, Anyhow, it means not to rot. (laughs) Let me just back up. I've got tongue-tied. I got tongue tied i do not even dare try that again. It means incapable of rotting, indicating that the resurrected body will never age Think about this. It's never going to age. It's never going to get diseased. You can't break a bone. You can't, uh, y- your, your, your hair's not going to grow gray. Your hair's not going to fall out, as it is with mine now. At the top, you know, each year it gets thinner and thinner on top. Not going to have to worry about that. With, amen, Bob. Not going to have to worry about that with the resurrected body. You're not going to have to worry about that. It is incapable of disease. You can't break your arm. You can't uh, knock your hip socket out of joint, you can't do anything like that. It is a body that is imperishable. It is a body that is sown in glory, is imperishable, incorruptible. Therefore, it is also an eternal body. Think about this for a moment. Everything we do in life, we do to keep from dying. Why do you have a job? You have a job to earn money, don't you? Because you need it. Well, why? Do, you know, think about this. Why do we need money? Why do we need money? Well, we need to eat. Why do you need to eat? Because if you don't eat, you die. You need, you need a house. Why do you need a house? Because if you don't have protection, you die. You need clothing. Why do you need clothing? Besides the fact that I would scare everybody if I didn't, you need it for survival. Amen? And I don't know if that was amen for the first part or the second part, but anyhow, we'll just leave it there. But, uh, but you need it to keep from dying. you got to go to the doctor. Why do you got to go to the doctor? And you are poked and prodded and all these different things, taking medications here, medications there. Why? To keep from dying. Everything we do in this life is to survive, is to keep from dying. Can you imagine what it's going to be like living your life where death is an impossibility? Where you can't break a bone, where you can't get diseased. That's the type of body we're going to receive, friend. It's just that different it's just that different number two we see we have the glorified attribute this natural body in verses 43 and 49 is said to be sown in dishonor It's translated from the word atimia, which means to be in a state of disrespect it's raised however in doxa which means glory it is clothed with the glory of god what is this talking about Well, before we've mentioned that there's a process to this thing called salvation, when we first come to Christ and we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are justified, which means God has imputed His righteousness to us. You are made right in the eyes of God. Amen? 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 You are made right in the image of God. God has deemed you justified. He has justified you. It's not by anything that you've done. It's by everything that He's done. He has imputed His righteousness to you. Now through this life we go through what's called a process of sanctification. Which means God is transforming us in the image of Christ. It's a process we go through. We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our souls are being renewed and transformed in His glory. And all of this is going to culminate to one glorious day when we we enter into heaven and eventually the capstone when we receive these resurrected bodies. We are then said to be glorified you know what that means we are made perfect just as Christ is perfect I want you to close your eyes for a minute I want you to just ask yourself this question how many of you have ever been hurt in a church, doesn't mean Huntsville, in any church how many of you have ever been hurt in a church or been hurt by Christians, raise your hand raise them high All right, now keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. I want you to open your eyes and look around. That's about everybody. (laughs) Now, Now, people will say, now wait a minute, preacher. I thought we Christians are supposed to be different. Well, we are. But understand something. We are being transformed in the image of God, but we're not perfect yet, amen? But one day we will be. One day we will be. Now, just think about this. I I had a chance. I I love going up to Liberty University. It's like heaven on earth. It reminds me of uh, Fruitland Baptist Bible College on steroids. Uh, because Fruitland Baptist Bible College was a small little school. Liberty is huge. I mean, it's just almost intimidating to see how big it is. But, but Fruitland Baptist Bible College was this little school up in Hendersonville. And people there loved the Lord. They came together. They sung songs of praise. They, they were all wanting to, to serve the Lord in gladness and happiness. But I'm going to tell you, was it perfect? Absolutely not. You know why? Because there were some disagreements that people had. There were some arguments that people had. And believe it or not, church, we may have arguments as well, amen? But you know what? You know why that is? Because we haven't been perfected yet. This resurrected body that we're going to receive is going to be perfect with our new bodies, we're not going to sin. We're not going to have the inclination to sin. We're, our natural status quo is to going to be absolute holiness just as God is holy. And you know what? Not only will we be able to commune with God perfectly, finally, the church will be perfected as well. We will not only be able to love the Lord the way He deserves to be loved, but we will love one another in perfect, perfect holy love. Amen? Amen? Amen. Then the church will truly be the bride of Christ. Number three, we not only have an imperishable attribute, a glorified attribute, but we also see a powerful attribute. This body is sown in weakness, one that's going to decay and die, one that has physical limitations, but it's raised in power. The word dunamis here indicates the potential to exert force. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. I know some people in here do love the same thing. I, I love weightlifting. I, I I love that. I can't stand that cardio stuff. Just standing there walking, and bicycling. And whew, bless our Virginia, she's good at it. You know, she can do what two or three miles and just no time flat. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, how long is this gonna take? Oh, man, it's been half a minute already. I'm looking every half a minute like, am I still doing this? Now, weightlifting, I can go in there and I love it. But you know what? It's really, if you think about it, in all honesty, I know exercise is important. But if you really think about it, it's really a futile task. Because if you really, if you go in there and you work out and you build your body up, try going a month or two without doing it. What happens? <laughs> Can you go in there and do the same thing you did? You have to stay at it. If you don't stay at it, your body decays. (laughs) It decays and declines in strength. The point is is that our bodies are constantly in this state of decline, it seems like. But these resurrected bodies are a powerful thing. They never decay. They never die. We have limitations as to how fast we can run, how high we can jump and all these other things, these resurrected bodies are going to be limitless in their capacity. It's absolutely amazing when you think about it. But not only is it a powerful body, but it's also a spiritual body. In verse 44, Paul notes that the body is sown a physical body, but it's raised a spiritual body. The physical comes first, and then finally the spiritual body is raised. And this simply indicates the fact... That uh, we, are, we are directed and full of the Holy Spirit. We're eternal creatures. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit fully and completely. While we have physical bodies, we'll have new capabilities that we don't have in this body of flesh that we have now. And last but certainly not least, in verse 47, we see the heavenly attribute. The last description of the resurrected body is that it's a heavenly one. You know, at this stage in our, in our existence we could not stand before God's presence and survive. Because while we are been saved and we're being transformed, we're not perfect yet. And God is so holy that if we were to stand before Him, it, we, we, it would be like the raiders of the lost ark. When they saw the ark and you remember everybody melting down, that would be the way it is. But with this heavenly body that we'll receive, we will be able to go before the presence of God without hindrance Without interruption, we will be able to see God in all of His glory. We'll be able to see Christ in all of His glory. We'll be able to experience the Holy Spirit in all of His glory in ways that we're simply not able to do so now in this present body. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to trying this new body out. Amen? No more knee replacements, Nolan. Amen? Praise the Lord. No more knee replacements, Mom. No more back surgeries. No more heart stents, no more diabetes, no more diseases, no, no cancer, praise the Lord, no more cancer. It'll be eradicated. This body is going to be unlike anything we could ever think or imagine. So, what does this mean for us? While there is truly anxiety when we think about death, we have a hope that is unlike anything we could ever think or imagine. When we think about this spiritual state of existence we have with the Lord, and we think about this physical, this physical reality that's going to be our resurrected bodies, it completely transforms the way we look at death. That's why Paul says in the, the last part of this chapter, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, where is your victory? It has none. So, so how do we deal with death? Well, Donald Gray Barnhouse lost his wife I believe it was to cancer I'm not 100% sure but he was he was he was going to have to raise his young kids by himself he didn't know how he was going to do it but he he lost his wife and as he was uh, he was heartbroken himself but as he was driving home from the funeral they just had buried her in the cemetery they were driving home they went on the interstate and his little girl couldn't quite wrap her mind around what had just happened she said daddy where is mommy I don't understand, where is mommy? Uh, wh- what does death mean for, what does that death mean, you know, for, 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 a, for a person? And at that time, he was struggling to find the words, but it was just by divine inspiration, I think. A truck passed by them at that time, huge truck, 18-wheeler, and it cast a shadow upon the car. And Donald Barnhouse said to his little girl, he says, let me ask you a question, which would you rather have? Happen. would you rather be hit by that truck or hit by its shadow and she says well daddy I'd rather be hit by the shadow he says for a person to die without Christ it's like they were hit by that Mack truck but for a person in Christ to die it's like they were hit by that shadow and quite honestly that's so true because death is just like being hit by a shadow to be absent from this body, we're going to be taken in the presence of the Lord. We're going to be anticipating and awaiting that time when Christ is going to return and He's going to give us a body that is absolutely going to blow our minds. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to give it a test run. Amen? i am turned 40. I can still do the things I did in my 20s, but it takes me a lot longer to recuperate from them. I'm telling you, just like my uncle said, and it's so true. But can you imagine a body where there's no more aging, there's no more decay, there's no more disease, there are no more problems, there's no more emotional distress? You're not going to have to worry about losing loved ones because you're going to have them there with you for eternity, amen, if they're in Christ. And I think about the many of the people who've been lost, me, the great saints of God who've been lost here at Huntsville, you're going to see them again, amen? You're not only going to see them spiritually, but you're going to one day see them physically. And all these caskets, they seem like these caskets have the, have the victory, but they don't. One day they're going to succumb to the power of God. And the dead in Christ will be raised with these resurrected body. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me also say this as well. We had uh, two miscarriages before we had Grayson. And I fully anticipate and I fully expect... That when we get to heaven, grace receive the Lord. I fully expect when we get to heaven, we're going to see three kids there. Amen? I truly believe that. So some of you may have lost loved ones uh, early on. Some of you may have lost loved ones here recently. But I'm going to tell you one day, brother, the promise we see of this is that one day you'll see them again. If they're in Christ and you're in Christ, you'll see them again. But as we think about this, let me just ask you a question. Do you know that your destination is heaven? The wonderful truth is that you can know. If you simply receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, make Him the Lord of your life. As Ashley read in John 14, just a few moments ago, Christ promises that that He is going to go and prepare a place for us. And you can have this place of waiting for you if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I want to encourage you to, to just think about this. Have you ever truly received Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you haven't, I would ask that you would not leave this place until you make sure that your salvation is sure. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're reflecting on these loved ones and maybe you just want the Holy Spirit to grab hold of you and just to take away any worries that you may have in life. And we just ask if you want to come down and pray, we encourage you to do so. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart, we just encourage you to come as the Spirit leads. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the promise of heaven. We thank you so much, Lord, for the promise of these uh, resurrected bodies that we're going to have one day. And that just as you have been risen, you are the first fruit of the resurrection that we'll experience. And you provided that through your own resurrection. And we thank you, Jesus. So Lord, we would just ask you through your Holy Spirit that you would just search out and review every heart that's here today to make sure if there's any
1: The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is crucified. Written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit BellatorChristie.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.
2: Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true knowledge
0: the Christian Standard Bible The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today.